AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldis.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. You're listening to AI in Action. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is Shamir Kader. Shamir is the Senior Director of Data Science, Digital Health and Bioinformatics at AstraZeneca. Shamir, welcome to the show. Thank you, JP. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's our pleasure. Thanks for joining us. So let's start, Shamir, with yourself. Can you give us uh, a background of your journey through technology, where you first got started, um, what was your interests, uh, and talk us through some of the interesting roles you've held along the way and uh, taking us up to before you joined AstraZeneca. Sure. Uh, you know, um, I wanted to be a physician back in the days and also a fashion designer and also a management expert. This is straight after <laughs> my high school. I was between these three uh, different choices, but then I didn't choose any of those. I decided to be a software engineer. And then what happened was uh, to to get to a program in computer science, uh, I have to get an undergrad and only after masters, you could go to jobs that back in the days then. And then uh, I was doing uh, my undergrad in physics and and then, um, you know, I'm always excited and curious about other parts of science or other development in science. And I heard, uh, you know, this particular subject called bioinformatics. You know, it kind of piqued my interest. And really in a way that, you know, that that's all about developing software. But instead of developing software for banks and uh, air travel, you could develop software that could ultimately save lives. So that was quite an exciting thing for me because I don't, you know, really like financial domain. I don't want, I don't want it to be a software engineer who could bank software back then. I, I was lucky to uh, be part of a, a master's program in my home state. Uh, did that, uh, finished that with uh, summa cum laude, and then was able to find a job as a, you know, a, more of a research trainee. And then I realized that, you know, instead of going into a career in this one, probably need to go back to grad school. And I did my grad school uh, at National Center for Biological Sciences uh, in Bangalore, lovely city, spent uh, four and a half years there. And I was really exposed to a wide variety of topics from, uh, from protein science to artificial intelligence, from artificial intelligence to cancer biology, quite, quite a journey. Uh, 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 a tremendous learning opportunity. And I had one particular, uh, uh, you know, part of my thesis uh, were to develop tools, methods, and algorithms. And the first machine learning algorithm that I developed back in 2006. So I'm I'm an AI practitioner since then. And interestingly, uh, you know, did my PhD. And after that, I moved to the US. Uh, I did my postdoctoral fellowship at the Mayo Clinic, and I continued to work there, spend another three years at Icon Institute as part of the Mount Sinai Health System, had short stint at Philips Healthcare and Northwell Health, and I'm right now with AstraZeneca. But I'll also tell you a, a little bit 
tidbit about the AstraZeneca journey. When I was right after my master's, I sent in an application to be an intern at AstraZeneca. I didn't get it. And now I had to wait for 14 years, a PhD and all this training. So if any of you students or uh, trainees out there listening to this, you know, hold on to your dreams. It'll happen. Thank you so much for that, Shamir. There's so much to unwrap from that introduction alone. Um, not only the, the, the early decision making process of, of quite a few different career opportunities, but um, we're glad you've landed where, where you have. Shamir, could you give us some insight into some of the challenging problems that you've solved uh, during your career utilizing AI and machine learning? Around two years back or three years back, I had to submit uh, some of my sort of a quantum of my work to the United States Immigration Office. And we I actually did counted different number of models that I have published. And it's actually maybe I have around I published maybe around 70 publications so far. Out of that, 50 of them are on, you know, a method or tool or algorithms. And these are all peer-reviewed published models we're talking about. In addition to that, you know, enterprise scale, so there are a lot of modeling work has been done to improve, you know, these are not never published, actually. So if I may pick a few from that, you know, that library of models that I've done. Definitely the first one that I've done on uh, protein aggregation. This is to identify whether a given protein could form aggregates and could lead to, you know, potentially neurodegenerative diseases. That's one of the first model that I have developed using support vector machines and random forest. This is this is back in 2005. There was no TensorFlow. There is no AWS back then. We were talking about a, a while ago. And then again, uh, as my you know career proceeds, I work also on modeling fa using fairly large number of data set. This include modeling across genome and phenome, like both clinical data as well as genomic data. And then at Mount Sinai, I was leading this uh, you know hospital big data initiative. This is basically leverage hospital big data to improve patient safety and. One of that model, um, if there is a top 10 list for, uh, you know, uh, predictive models in AI in medicine, probably it would have been authored by Dr. Er none other than Dr. Rory Topol. So the one of that model, actually, my work from Monsen, I actually featured in, in, in one of his review article. And that was for, you know, using electronic health record data, the EHR-wide data rather than a subset of data. Let's use all of this data to predict you know, probabilities of patient readmission. So that's again, uh, was quite quite an interesting model that I've done. I continue to do a lot lot more work in the biomedicine space, including, you know, uh, predicting reproducibility of small and large molecule. And again, these days I'm working on using clinical trial data. Can we use the historical trial data to basically inform and improve, and as well as, you know, uh, trying to see that the trajectory of uh, whether it's patient enrollment or patient dropout from clinical trial data set. So it's been a it's been a long list of uh, problems that's been in a way, you know, tried to solve using AI and ML. Before getting to AstraZeneca, you, you mentioned a few of the company names there. You, you've worked for some incredibly prestigious firms early on, um, which has obviously built up to you securing the role at AZ. So can you talk to us about how it transpired that you transitioned from what was a great role with Northwell Health as the director of data science and how you landed at AstraZeneca sort of as the senior director leading digital science, uh, digital health, data science, advanced analytics and, and bioinformatics. 
So, yeah, so definitely, you know, uh, I, I, I have to maybe go a little bit uh, back here to my days at the Mayo Clinic. The, Mayo, the, the reason I, I, I came to Mayo was doing a lot of protein science, protein informatics, you, you know, designing and developing predictive models using, using protein, proteomic data uh, back in the days. Uh, and then, then I realized that there, there is a, an emerging need in, in genomics and human genomics is about to take off. And I still remember uh, there was this day uh, where I was talking to my supervisor, Dr. Uh, Ramnathan Sadamini, that we had two back-to-back -back talks uh, where Dr. Atul Butte and Dr. Eric Green was, was coming to our, our institute just one in one day. That, they kind of changed my entire life. I listened to Atul and realized that, you know, human genomics is the next big thing. I need to get there. I need to do a postdoc in that subject. I did, you know, send a postdoc application to Atul, got rejected. But then I was lucky to join Dr. Iftikar Kolo's lab at the Mayo Clinic. And they were looking for somebody with the background that I have, you know, data analytics, data science. It was not called data science back then. Uh, machine learning, machine learning was there. or or, or uh, fussy pattern matching. These were the cool names for data science back then. And, and they have access to a large amount of uh, not just genomic data from patients, but also have access to de-identified patient data. So I, I really got a heads up with that type of analytics, like to work with electronic health record and genomic data from the get-go. So this was part of uh, uh, one of world's uh, first uh, precision medicine or personalized genomics consortium called Electronic Medical Records and Genomics. And I was part of that. I, I was a lead bioinformatics scientist for a clinical trial called uh, MyGenes, where we tested whether uh, providing genomic information would have an immediate impact on a health outcome. And we designed a, a study in a way that uh, one arm would receive a traditional cardiovascular risk score, for example, Framingham risk score, and the other arm would receive what we call as a, a polygenic risk score. And then, you know, we did a baseline measurement, gave this information, designed a shared decision-making software system, and then uh, put the, and their cohort through that system and told them to come back after six months. And then what happened was, very interestingly, the patient cohort or the subset that received high polygenic risk score was able to reduce their cholesterol level. And we were thinking, what happened to them? And actually what happened was as part of a shared decision-making system, we gave them a choice for statin initiation. So those patients without any prior cardiac complication, but who got this particular indication that you have a genetic risk for cardiovascular disease, they started taking statin and we saw an outcome, a, a measurable clinical outcome in their cholesterol level. That was quite revealing for me. That was like, you can take analytics and see an impact uh, at the point of care. And I've, did, I've done that and did a lot of work in that space, also did a lot of molecular uh, deep dives into different disease models, like for example, peripheral arterial disease, aortic aneurysms, pancreatic cancer, ovarian cancer, and did a lot of collaborative projects there. But then I realized when I was there, I realized that maybe, you know, I'm doing a lot of work for preclinical part, but I'm not able to connect this to what we call a drug discovery. And that's the point. Uh, 
Dr. Atul Butte's student, uh, Joel Dudley, uh, uh, was about to start a group at Mount Sinai. And Joel was kind enough to give me an offer. And he, I still remember that, that day when we, were, we met, he told me that, you know, hey, Joel, what should I work on? And he told me, whatever you want to work on. And I'm like, this candy in the, in this kid in the candy store, you know, wow, that's, that's excellent. Because Mayo Clinic have, you know, we had access to data, uh, but at the same time, uh, it often require uh, quite, a, you know, the systems and methods were quite extensive that we need to spend a lot of time to do uh, pre-processing and everything. But here, what Joel has done was like, you know, really got a, a database of de-identified patient data that we could now leverage to ask any kind of questions we want. So I had a home run at Mount Sinai, I spent two and a half years, and I still, to this date, we're still publishing results from, from that, that, that two and a half month years that I spent with Joel Dudley. So that was quite an amazing run. And when I was at Joel, I was doing some, some projects, you know, that, that are um, contract projects from Pharma and others. And, and I've been, you know, you know, contacted by someone from Philips and asking me if you would be interested to come in, come on board to help them to get a, a genomic medicine product to the market. So I joined Philips, spent uh, more than a year uh, in helping them with uh, two main, main themes in their precision medicine offering, as well as their connected, connected health and worked with the variety of clients across the globe, including a lot of a lot of pharma companies. So if you remember, I started with precision medicine, moved to the drug discovery, drug repositioning part, and then came back again to precision medicine. But then I was missing, you know, that sort of, um, that uh, uh, environment of like really doing uh, drug discovery part. And at this point, uh, I, you know, I spend quite a long en engagement and, uh, Northwell Health actually asked me whether if I'm interested to come on board and build a data science team for them. And I couldn't say no, because Northwell Health is from right, probably one of the largest health system in the country with 6 million patients. And then to build a team, a data science team and show early ROI for that, that was quite an offer I couldn't reject. I took the offer, I built, built a team, we, we showed a bit of an early ROI and was, doing quite well and and at that point of time i've been re you know i've got a contact from astrazeneca hey what if you could lead a, a, a whole global team uh for data science in ai at astrazeneca and i've been waiting for 14 years for a call from astrazeneca i couldn't again reject that and uh, just to, you know people would say you know if once you go to industry you know coming back to academia or in you know, academic medical centers is difficult and then going back to industry would be difficult. I would say it's not like that. It's up to, it's, it's, it's up to their passion. I was passionate about bringing this uh, technology to improve patient lives. And I'm continuing to do that. It's so refreshing to hear you talk about the, the journey and how long it's taken and, and, and talk about, you know, applying and it not working out and, and, and just persevering on, on what you wanted to accomplish um, because it's not a, a straight line to it to a destination there's often um, different routes and things pop up but it sounds like you've landed where you've always wanted to be so that's that's all worked out well so talk to us now about your role at AZ you've been there since September 2018 your title 
covers quite a broad range of, of technology. So can you give us some insight into what, what your day job is like now, some of the interesting projects you're involved in? Sure. Uh, I lead a, a team within data science and AI. I lead a clinical data science team uh, where my team is broadly uh, divided into two groups. One group support what we call as digital health project. This is, uh, you know, uh, in a nutshell, trying to accelerate or optimize uh, our clinical trials throughput using uh, data automation and intelligence. On the other hand, I also my team and we also support uh, research in the biopharma uh, portfolio to support, you know, how we can embed AI within the way we do drug discovery. It could be in preclinical, clinical, or or postclinical as well. So that's 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 the mandate for for my team. I run a global team, and we are as of today we are around fourteen members uh, in in with representation in the US, US UK, um, Mexico, and Russia and Poland right now. So it's a truly international team. And um, yes, yeah, so in, in terms of the projects that we, we target, so we are interested to leverage, uh, you know, large amount of clinical trial data and then looking at clinical trial data and see if we can learn from the historical trial data to improve the trajectory of uh, clinical trials in the future. So that's the kind of work we are doing. So that's one line of work we are doing. We're also interested in the problem of uh, data integration, heterogeneous data integration. How can we bring this diverse set of data, whether it's genome, transcriptome, proteome, metabolome, or along with that clinical data, how can we bring that together in a single modular framework? Can we learn from that data? Can we model that, that data in a way that we can identify drivers of a disease or a new target, a therapy, or a pathway? So that this, these are the two core themes that uh, are, we are working on. So you, your role is quite complex and even more so when your team is spread out over three continents and five or six cities. But in the world of COVID, we're all fully remote uh, for the near term anyway. But it would be great to understand how you go about managing uh, an effective team and then also still staying on top of the technology side yourself, because at, at its core, you're still a hands-on uh, individual who enjoys getting involved in the project. So how do you get the balance between staying involved in the technology side, but also running multiple teams across uh, multiple continents? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I should definitely give a shout out to Steve Jepson, my manager from uh, back in the days from Philips, who's now um, uh, a lead of uh, AWS global practice, and and also my current boss, you know, Dr. Faisal Khan. They are they are my go-to management gurus, you know, and especially I still remember how Steve used to run his, you know, uh, two hundred member team, global team, uh, out of you know Boston and DC. So I've I've learned the art of that, you know, uh, managing a large, complex, and diverse team that you know, in a way, virtual and distributed team. Uh, from the best in the industry, and then really, it's 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 about you know pe giving people the f you know uh, the right kind of advice at the right time and right kind of tools to support them to do their their job. So it's 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 very simple, right? Like when you come to to come to management, uh, this type of projects, you know, do they have the right skills? 
you know, we typically assess that during the interview. We may need to do some, you know, adjustment as they come in. They may like a different project and things like that. Do they have the right set of tools in terms of the computing resource, in terms of their, uh, um, you know, access to the data and also additional resources to support to do their job. So this, these things really matters. And, and initially to set up this in a, in a remote or a, a, a or a virtual environment, it's a little bit difficult. But once we are up and running, things will things will move very very smoothly. And at the same time, you know, with with the onset of COVID, now the whole world is kind of adjusting towards that. And it's 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 you know, and this is not no longer um, you know, uh, a, this is not this is this is now the new new normal. We are we are thinking about it's not it's no longer a, an exception. It's now now the new normal. So yeah, so. I should definitely uh, give credits to uh, those, both of them, for for their support and help that I received, you know, much earlier in 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 the roles that I've have been with so far. And in in terms of uh, running a data science team, uh, we really need, you know, typically it involves a lot of coding, you know, data data wrangling. But at the same time, the real value is. Where is your ROI? Is that is that model that you're building? Is that actually bringing a value back to your business? We need to understand that. So for that, you know, of course, I, I want to make sure that every member in my team have a clear vision of the of the business we are doing and the kind of uh, KPIs we are looking at as well. So I really give them uh, that you know share share that that vision with them. I often have a, a, a weekly open huddle for my team. They can drop in as required, drop out as required. So just to keep that communication going. And definitely communication is, is the most important part as well. Yeah. Shamir, looking ahead to all of the, the potential use cases for AI and ML, uh, what do you see as the near and far implications of AI and ML in drug discovery? We we often talk about you know you know AI and ML could could help with the end to end digital transformation of drug discovery, but I have a different opinion here. But what I'm thinking here, what's going to happen in in terms of a near and far uh, impact of these technologies would be like what I call as digital nudging. You could nudge every process or every step or every activity within the drug discovery using data and intelligence. And we are going to see that whether this is in preclinical, clinical or postclinical, we are going to see a lot of algorithms doing a lot of automation, prediction and data visualization. So I strongly believe uh, we are moving towards that, you know, uh, future of digital nudging augmented by data and intelligence. Can you give us some insight into what you love most about working for AZ, why you're so excited about the work that your team and AZ are doing, and, and more importantly, the impact that it's going to have on, on drug discovery and, and overall patient care in the long run? Yeah, if I can summarize all of that in, in one word, AZ is, I mean, like actually three words, AZ is amazing. You know, great, great culture. You know, from from the leadership, it's a great support for data science and AI activity. We are now a full-fledged department, and we support a variety of programs. Like I said, the goal of the data science and artificial intelligence team are, is really to be a hub that support different programs, whether it's like I mentioned, you know, preclinical, clinical, or postclinical. We are all about supporting uh, projects and making sure that you know, embed 
the best of AI to accelerate, optimize, and innovate, innovate within the space that we're working on. And you know, for example, we are in the business of finding life-saving drugs. And I, you know, if I could quote uh, our, our, our CEO, uh, Pascal Soriot, and you know, he, he says that behind every data point, there is a patient. That's, that's our passion. We are all about patients and patient centricity. We are all about bringing life-saving medicines uh, to the market. And having such a clear vision of purpose really helps in motivating both individuals and team to strive for for the end goal. Um, uh, final question, Shamir. Uh, you're you've been building teams, uh, successful teams, high performing teams now for a number of years, uh, and we've spoken in detail about the the upcoming growth within your group and and supporting teams at AZ. Can you give us some insight into how you see your department? evolving over time and uh, speaking to an audience of people who would be potentially interested in working for you, for your peers and colleagues at AZ. Can you help us navigate that field? And, you know, thinking back to when you first had a goal to work in a particular space um, for somebody who's viewing, you know, what you do and what your team does and thinks to themselves, I'd love to work there. What, What guidance and advice can you offer those people? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, we are e- even in this difficult times. We we still have uh, positions open uh, in 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 our you know data science in AI uh, function. And you should you know if you're if you're a new graduate, you know uh, someone with experience and someone with experience in one of these different facets of data science, whether it's you know computer vision, uh, you know text mining, natural language processing, automation, predictive modeling, uh, statistical analysis. You know, please consider AstraZeneca and join in our mission uh, to, you know, make life-saving medicines. You know, that's that would be my message. And you can get a whole lot of details and videos if you go to our, our website in the career section. If you go to the data science and AI, you can you can see a whole lot of useful information uh, around this and, and all the open positions as well. I think that's a great way to finish. And one final one, please go check out Shamir's uh, sp- uh, speech and and talk on YouTube. I was at t- TEDx, Shamir, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, a very impressive. So uh, great insight into your mind and some great knowledge to be had from that. Shamir, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a, an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate you talking about not just your own journey, but the incredible things that you're doing at AZ. Um, it sounds like an amazing place to work and we look forward to, to seeing all that you guys can accomplish in the near future. Thank you. AI Action is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting and networking needs. Aldus offer an exec search program. Aldus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aldus advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to Aldus members. And don't forget our AI on Action podcast. Each week we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career and more. Become an Aldus member and get the Aldus advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldus.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International. 
empowering through AI.